I just want to say thank you for our worshipers. We can never, ever overlook our worshipers. You know, we should consistently be grateful for those who lead us into worship, for the musicians, for the artists among us. Amen. That pull down revelation from heaven and present it to us in the form of their art which speaks on a deeper level to our soul, to our spirit that helps us to connect to the God of the universe, Jesus Christ. And so I think that it's really good for us every week, man, to just find a musician and shake their hand, you know? Find one of the worship leaders and hug their neck and say, man, thank you so much, man. You truly enrich my life. You bless my spiritual livelihood. Thank you so much. So... Thank you for allowing me to rant about how important it is to thank our worshipers. It is very important. They're an integral part of our fellowship, our community here. And uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about another integral part of our family. If you've been coming to Legacy for any amount of time whatsoever, you will know this phrase. Here at Legacy, we are not just a ministry. Awesome. So if that was your first time, you'll get a chance to repeat it now because I want to ask you guys to do it one more time. We're not just a ministry. We're a awesome. So as you know, family is one of those words that is difficult to define. And, um, you know, everybody comes with their own grid for what family is or is not. You know, some of us grew up in really difficult family situations. So when you hear us say we're a family, that may not feel so good. On the other hand, some of us in here grew up in very positive environments, good family situations. So when you hear us say family, you're like, that's awesome. I'm excited about this. And you have really high expectations that if we don't meet, you're pretty bummed. You know what I'm saying? So when we endeavor to say we're not just a ministry, we're a family, like, trust me, I realize this is a huge mountain to take. And I don't know if you guys have recognized this or not, but in this generation, family is a huge deal because so many don't have it. And if you look, I was, I was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania this past week, and I was driving past a bank, all right, a local bank. And there was this huge sign. They had like a thermometer and a clock. And there was this huge sign above it that says, don't just bank, belong. And, and you know, I'm like, this cultural concept of family, community, and belonging is so hot right now. Why? Because our, fam our, our generation is craving it. Our, the, the soul of our generation is craving authentic connection, authentic community, and a deeper expression of friendship called family. And so one of the temptations of the church, particularly the American church, is to capitalize or manipulate the need of the generation for family and say things like we're a family as an attempt to grow the organization. But I want you guys to know as a church, when we say family, we are not just simply trying to market to Nashville. We are endeavoring to do our best to live out and fulfill a genuine expression of the community of Christ in the 21st century. We believe that family is where you are loved into your purpose. And that church should not be a brand. Church should function like a living family. It, can I get two good amens already from the 9 a.m.? We're up. We've had great worship. And so I, I want to talk a little bit about family because family is one of those words that we all like because we all can acknowledge our need for it. So when we hear a message on family, we can all say amen. But how many of you guys know that oftentimes family is defined not when everything's going good, but when the diaper needs to be changed at 4 a.m. and you just got to sleep at 2 because you've been up with a fussing baby since 11. You guys know what I'm talking about. Can I get an amen from the parents this morning, right? 
So like family is defined in those moments. You know, family is defined in the moments whenever your wife or your husband does something that just agitates you to no end. But you step over your uncomfortability for the sake of your relationship because your connection is more important than your temporary inconvenience. And so you do the dishes that your husband left out. You clean up the sink that he left his facial hair in after he shaved the morning before. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like these are when family, uh, these are family moments. Of course, you know, we, we don't really recognize some of the best family moments when we're in them. But when we look back and we reflect on them, we think, man, that's what made us who we are. Those blood and those sweat and those, those tears, that's, a, oh, that's my family right there, man. You know, I might mess with them. I might argue with them, but I ain't going to let you mess with them. I ain't going to let you argue with them. I'll go to bat for my family, man. You know, you may, just have, you may have just stepped out of an argument, but let somebody else pick on your little brother. I will deck you, man. Everybody say family. So today I want to talk about a family word. I'm actually going to have Pastor Rick come up, my wife, in just a moment, and... Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what God's doing in Legacy Kids. And uh, it, this, is, this is going to be a fun day, you guys. And we've already decided that every year we're going to have a children's day here at Legacy. Next year, we're already trying to plan that out so our kids can lead us in worship. How, how cool is that, huh? Because here, here's the thing. If we're going to save family, then we have to honor and acknowledge the treasures that we have in our children. Our kids are not an inconvenience. I'm going to try this out. So our kids are not an inconvenience. Okay, yeah. Our kids are treasures, amen? So let me, let me read to you guys a passage of Scripture from Isaiah 60. Now, Isaiah 60 is a, you know, that's a notable passage, and everybody likes to quote Isaiah 60 in verse 1. Arise, shine. For your light has come. Everybody say, that's a good word. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. If you'll take that, you know, you should just just reach out and grab that. I got that. Yes, Lord. I want to take the glory of the Lord. It's risen upon me. Verse 2. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you. And his glory will be seen upon you. I hope you brought your shouting shoes. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now, I want you guys to get verse 4 and verse 5. These are the most important verses of this passage today, okay? Lift up your eyes all around and see. Everybody say see. See. Say it one more time. See. It's an important part. They all gather together. They come to you. Now, get this part. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see, everybody say see again, and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because of the abundance of the sea that shall be turned to you, the wealth of the nations that shall come to you. Come on. You know, I, I, I love Isaiah 60, and embedded within Isaiah 60, especially verse 1 through 5, we see God open his heart and share with us his emotions about family, about the generations, and about our children. So what Isaiah is doing, now Isaiah is a prophet to the Hebrew people, and he is defining or describing a glorious vision that is about to happen because for many years, the family has been living in exile. So you have parents who have been for years separated from their babies. Now, I don't know if you're a parent in here, but if you could put yourself, like, like just insert yourself into this narrative, I, I, I think it's safe to say that you would be absolutely devastated and heartbroken when your children were ripped from your hands, taken away from you by oppressors, and you were forced to live outside of your homeland in exile, far away from your babies. 
That would be heartbreaking, amen? But Isaiah is prophesying about a moment in which the sons and the daughters would come home and the family would be united again and that we would see our sons coming home and that we would see our daughters being carried to us. And in that moment, what would happen? We would see and be radiant and our hearts would burst at the seams with joy. Amen. So what Isaiah is articulating here prophetically is God's heart for us and how we should respond to seeing our kiddos. I mean, I think it's a good time to investigate our own personal experiences with how we see the next generation, how we see kids, because God has a treasure for you wrapped up inside of your kids or inside of legacy kids, but you have to have ears to hear what the Lord is saying about them, and you have to have eyes to see to acknowledge the gift that they are to you. You guys with me this morning? So twice in this passage, the prophet says this, um, the people of God will see. So let me ask you this. What does it mean to see? To see means to have vision. Let's go a little bit further. A vision for the future, which for too long the Hebrew people did not have. They didn't have any hope for the future. They were living in exile. They were separated from their kids. They had no hope for the future. When they looked ahead, they were depressed and they lived in despair. They were heartbroken because they were separated from their kids. But whenever they were united with their children, they began to see again. And what happened was God restored their hope for tomorrow. So see, without children, we don't have any vision for tomorrow. Because our vision dies with us. When we do not value the next generation, we will live for today. And the only vision that we'll have will end with us. But when we acknowledge the gift of God in our kids, we'll have hope for the future because we will recognize that our lives are not the end of our stories, but that our legacy will continue through our kids and their legacy through their kids. And the kingdom of God will be advanced. You guys with me today? So your children are deeply, intrinsically connected to your hope for the future. And, and if you don't have kids in here yet, or you're not married yet, or you do have kids, or, you know, whatever category, we can all receive from what Isaiah is saying because we all have the opportunity to see kids. So no longer would the Hebrew people look down in depression, but they would look upwards toward God with hope for their future. A vision of hope for the future comes as a byproduct of families being restored. Now, let me say that again. I want you guys, if you're taking notes, write it down. A vision of hope for the future comes as a byproduct of families being restored. When families get restored, visions of hope fill the home where there's no prophetic vision for what the future could hold, man, it's just going to get worse and it's going to get worse. In the context of family function and life flowing, the environment is enriched. I don't know about you, but if you've ever lived with a two-year-old, you could agree with me that there is a lot of life in the home in which they reside. And so if you will allow yourself to see the life that the kids truly bring the home will be enriched. Isaiah paints a picture for us. He says this, when our kids come home, our hearts explode with joy. If you're a parent, I'm sure that you would agree with me today because I know that for my wife and I, we can't help but to talk about our kids even when we're on date night. We're away from them for two hours and we spend our date night talking about our kids. We're like, man, did you see that thing Isaiah did? Like, yeah, I was there too. Yeah, I know you were there, but it was, you know, 
That was so cute. That was so awesome. Check out this picture. Hey, look at this picture. And so we're swapping phones over dinner, sharing pictures of our kids that we were just with 24 minutes ago when we left them at Carl and Lila's house. Yeah, all the parents in here said amen, right? And uh, I know that you guys would agree because here's, here's the thing. You got to get this. Kids are the joy of families. Yes, sir. Kids are the joy of families. It doesn't matter how hard your day has been. Your kid just has a means to brighten your day. You get, right? You know what I'm talking about? They just do that one thing, you know, and you're like, ah, I can't even be mad at you. Come here. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter how much stuff they have destroyed. It doesn't matter. They give you a kiss. Over. Melted. So, kids are the joy of families. Now, be, be, before, I, before I interview Pastor Rick, and I'm going to have my wife come up as well, and sweetheart, you can go ahead and get ready to do that. Um, I want to say this. Kids are the joy of families. Kids are supposed to be the joy of families. Kids are supposed to be the joy of societies. And they very much should be the joy of our churches. Can I, can I get a resounding amen? Even if you're not, even if you're not feeling it yet, I, I just want to... I want to say that kids are supposed to be the joy of our society. You'll, you'll, if you do some research, any society in which kids go unacknowledged and are considered unimportant, that society is depressed. You do some research. But in any society in which kids are considered to be life-giving treasures and of absolute importance. There is a lot of hope for the future, and they build towards uh, making the world a better place. There is an existential connection to our hope for the future and our harmony among the generations. Where there is harmony among the generations, we have hope for the future. But where there's no harmony among the generations, we have no hope for the future. Are you guys with me? So that's my introduction. I want to I bring up my wife, Pastor Allison. I want to bring up Pastor Rick. And uh, we're going to have just a brief interview uh, with the two of them. And, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to do this because God's doing some awesome stuff. In, in Legacy Kids. And could we give Pastor Rick a big hand? Um, is this good? Does this look good? This looks great, sweetheart. I think this looks awesome. Our feng shui is on. Um, do we have another microphone? Oh, let me get this. Okay, you don't, sweetheart, you don't want to sit in the middle. Okay, gotcha, awesome. So, we, we, we just thought this would be a good idea. You guys okay with it? Yeah. All right. Well, if you don't like it, just pretend. All right. Just yeah. Be like, it's awesome. This is great. We love this. This is awesome. Yeah. Come on. I haven't seen anything like this before. Um, <laughs> so, so the first the first thing I wanted to do, and and we were talking about this the other day with uh, Rick's wife, Pastor Maggie. You guys all know Maggie. Yeah. She's awesome. And um, you know, we thought it would be really cool. Uh, my wife was saved in children's ministry, and we wanted her to give just a brief uh, testimony of uh, what that was, what that experience was like, and what that's meant for you since. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, how many of you grew up in church at some some? Holy cow! Um, so a lot of us had uh, an experience with church prior to being here at this church. Some of us did not, but I had the privilege and pleasure of getting to grow up inside church, and not only just church, but a really healthy, loving, wonderful church, and inside a really healthy, loving home. Um, so for me, church is so important for two reasons. One, Jesus, right? 
Jesus. It's so important that we gather together, do this, have the opportunity to worship Jesus amongst family and allow each other to grow as a result of that. Two is for our kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I as did most of my siblings, we had the experience of going to church on Sunday, every Sunday. We never missed church, not because my parents begrudgingly dragged us to church, but because they loved being at church. They were so well taken care of, and hopefully that's the experience that we want to provide for all of you, for all of your kids, that church isn't something that we just like come to to check off a box, but it's something we do because we find family, and it's fun, and we connect, and all of those things. So I had that experience when I was four years old, I met Jesus within the context of one children's ministry. My mom um, always served with the kids because we had a, we were like a part of a really small kind of church plant. There was probably like this section worth of people there on a, on a like when we, it was early on and we met in this little chapel that's actually like on the same street that Lyle and I live on right now. Um, that's kind of crazy to think about that, but um, so it's like this tiny little chapel and we met there and we had kids and my mom served whenever she could, whenever it was needed, which was often because we were a small church. So she served like every other week. And because of my experience there in uh, children's ministry, I had the opportunity to what I would like to call like it's, it's almost like a wave of momentum that happens amongst children. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, um, but when a lot of children, happy, healthy children get together in a really safe environment, they have like this bloom effect. I don't know if that makes sense. You probably experienced that where um, one, something amazing happens for one kid and it's like a domino effect for the rest of the community. And I had that experience where some of my friends met Jesus and I, in a very tangible way when I was four years old, had an encounter with the presence of Jesus and then was saved while I was at children's church and then explained to obviously at home the follow-up with my family. I think I was baptized when I was five years old. I, want, I was trying to be real patient. I remember my parents telling me like, okay, you've met Jesus, but like, let's make sure we understand what we're doing. Like, this is not just like a one time. Like, if you're saying yes to Jesus, we say yes to Jesus for all of our lives. And it's a very important and special thing. And I remember coming to them. I sat on their bed. I was probably... I don't know, my little sister is three. My mom was doing our hair. We had like curls galore and like there was three daughters in the house at the time. So our hair was real long. My mom would spend every Saturday night like carefully doing all of our hair and we would talk. We would just like have girl talk. And I remember coming into my parents' room, jumping on their bed and being like, I want to get baptized because it was another domino effect moment. Like one of my friends had been baptized and I was like, like this is it. I remember like my spirit, I, I couldn't articulate it like that. I was five, you know? But I had this experience and I wanted to be baptized and it was probably a few months later that we actually had the opportunity to um, have me baptized. And, you know, for me, I, I did understand the reality of the, the choice I was making, even as a very young girl. I've never um, been away from the Lord at, since. My, my whole walk with the Lord has not been flawless, but it's been connected to the best of my ability um, and credited to all of his ability. And I, I think that with that has also come my, my intentionality of staying and remaining within church community. I went from children's church to youth group to, you know, like, and I, and I loved it and I stayed in, in family and connection. And that, I think that also helped through the process, but I think it's important to acknowledge that as for me, I don't think that I would get the opportunity or the joy of doing what we do now um, had I not had the, the trust placed in me as a small kid from the adults around me saying, hey, you can meet Jesus. You can know Jesus. In fact, who you are today is so important to us because we know who you're becoming and how the Lord is shaping you and molding you. And so much of my relationship with the Lord has been as the result of never thinking I couldn't meet him or encounter him or know him or that I was too young to do that or I didn't really know what I was doing. If my parents had done that, I can't imagine the pain that I would have experienced. But 
luckily they didn't, and they, they understood, and they knew. But um, So it's the, it's the privilege of my life to have kids now in the context of yes. church and community because I know how impactful it was for me. And at such a young age, I, I met Jesus, and obviously, like, that's happening here in our, in our environment, but um, ultimately, I'm, I'm grateful for Legacy Kids, for Rick and Maggie, for the opportunity that so many of our kids have, right, yeah. to have that same experience. You know, there's no junior Holy Spirit. We say that all the time. So that's my story. So good. So amazing. It's such a huge testimony. Yeah, let's give her a hand. <laughs> such a huge testimony to what God can do in a life you know, from the start of just a children's ministry in a very small church, which is now like a Montessori school. Yeah. This, there's like a, this chair has like a little lip and I just want to like waterfall right off that guy. Um, so, <laughs> so anyways, um, man, Pastor Rick. All right. So share with us. We just had a groundbreaking testimony and dude, we want to hear about what God's doing downstairs with Legacy Kids. Yeah, um, so we had a we had a pretty big week last week, you know. I, I think if you were here for the four o'clock, you know, we were really able to to celebrate that together. But we had um, we had nine kids. You know, we did a salvation call. We had nine kids raise their hand to uh, come on. How awesome is that? Jesus. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think it, you know it was it was it was very impactful for me because. When you do when you do this type of stuff, you get you know you guys are adults and you come up to the pastor afterwards uh, every week, right? Everybody every week you come up to the pastor afterwards, and you say, "Man, no. that sermon impacted my life. It changed the way I think." Uh, you know, and and my um, my people downstairs like they pick their boogers, you know, uh, and. Uh, and I asked them, you know, to dream of things, and they dream of fried chicken, you know. And so I'm just going, me too, Rick. You know, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're going, man. Like, like, is this? Are we? Are we having the effect? Are we doing? Are we doing everything we can for these kids to know Jesus? And I think last week it just completely. I cried literally between between second service and the 4 p.m. Like, it was just tears for me of just going, wow, like, God, you're really, you're really doing something. Probably even more than I obviously can, can imagine here, so. We, we got to hang out in between the services, and uh, yeah, Rick was truly was a mess. <laughs> like, he was just laid out on the seats, just weeping, thanking God uh, for the nine children that gave their lives to him. So, I want to ask you another question, Rick, um, just so that people can get to know you a little bit yeah. more. Um, as our kids pastor, you and Maggie, obviously when, uh, Allison and I first approached you guys and we said, Hey, we'd like to invite you to be our kids pastors. Why did you say yes to that? <laughs> what did God speak to you? What were you thinking? Why, why did you say, yeah, let's do this? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, we knew we were going to serve great leaders. You know, um, I don't, I don't say that with, any lightness. I, I believe that Lyle and Allison are amazing leaders, that you guys are following the call of God on your life. Um, so long before we were ever on staff here, we were inspired by your vision. Um, I was inspired by getting to know you guys. And so I think that that's the first thing of we, we said, wow, we can really submit to their leadership and say yes to that. And I think that was the first step for us. Um, and I think the second thing is we, we, uh, we have a 17-month-old son, Isaiah, uh, who is awesome. Uh, yeah. Loves to dance, loves to, loves to worship. And, you know, I think when we had him, God really birthed this thing uh, in me, but especially in my wife of just, I want to know what it means to raise healthy kids that aren't just well-behaved, right? Like I think so much of the time our culture goes, you know, how can I make well-behaved kids that, you know, are great at dinner parties, but we really went for, hey, how can, how can we have kids that are in relationship with Jesus their entire life that, um, that are modeled the grace of God and how we parent? And, um, 
And so my wife just started this this journey, and she's probably read about 18 parenting books in the last year. And I'm not exaggerating. Like, she is... She is a reader, yeah, um, and she's very disciplined, uh, which I love about her, um, and very intentional. So she, she started reading books, she started listening to podcasts, she started talking to other parents where we really admired the way they parented. Um, and so God just birthed this thing in our heart to do that with our own children. And so I think it was cool when you guys approached us, it was really the Lord going, hey, actually what I've put in you and what I've birthed in you isn't just for your own children. Yeah. It's actually to, to raise up a, a generation um, and, to, and to help other parents, you know, uh, do that as well. So I think we're not just passionate about your kids if you're a parent. We're passionate about you guys being successful as well. So, um, so that, was, that was really, it was, it was a pretty easy, especially once we knew God was, was doing something, right? Like it was easy to say yes because we'd had so much put in us beforehand of just of God just pulling on our hearts and, and doing something so incredible uh, we 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 actually have a video for you guys next and but I want to ask Rick one more question before we before we finish which is this what is the best part what's your favorite part about serving legacy kids every week <laughs> yeah man there's so many things that I, I genuinely love. I know you can you can sit up here and say that pretty easily, but yeah. there are just so many things I genuinely look forward to coming on Sunday. Um, I think I think the best part for me is seeing kids come down there and be excited to come to church. You know, yeah, right. Like, and if you're a parent, can I get an amen? You know, amen. Like, like we're. I don't know, like, I, I, I have such a heart for that. I, I, I didn't grow up in church, um, but I did, I did go to church on occasion, and I remember not enjoying it. Like, it felt like a place where there were just, a, a, it was almost like an extension of school, right? Like, there were a lot of rules and regulations, and it was a lot more about, like, my, how to behave like Jesus rather than how to be in relationship with Jesus. Wow. And so, and so we're really, we're so, we're so passionate about, you know, kids kids coming in and actually understanding like God loves them. You know, he accept, he doesn't have a list of rules and regulations to come to his throne. Like mm. all you got to do is, is believe in his son and he'll, he'll change you. He'll transform you. Like he'll, he'll help you out. Right. And, um, and so I, I see, I guess, I guess when I see kids that enjoy that, I see like the tangible, like the tangible expression of kids lives being changed by being down there. Right. Like you kids aren't going to give you, a, f- a false outlook, right? right? Like it's, so man, they say stuff where you're just like, dude, like you cannot, you know, you can't say that. I was about to do an example and I was like, that's a bad example. Um, but it's like, you know, they say stuff and you're just going, dude, you cannot, you can't say that. Like we're here, you know, um, aunt, you know, about your aunt or whatever. But, uh, and so, and so uh, that, that's what I love is they're not going to put on a false front and they're not going to, they're not going to feed me a bunch of stuff that, yep. you know, and say, oh man, like this is so awesome. Like the way I see that we're doing something significant is like a kid stays through service the whole time, you know, like a, a baby that has been crying every single week, all of a sudden just starts loving coming there or a kid that's, that's cried every single time because he's. He's scared of new people jump. And we've had this, like they literally jump across to try and get at our volunteers, you know, like, and that's the testimony to me. Um, and that's my favorite. That's my, that was a really long answer, but that's my favorite part is seeing kids just enjoy church. Let's give pastor Rick a big hand. Pastor Maggie. We're, we're so thankful for you guys, man. We are so grateful as parents. You guys care and love on our kiddos so well, and we are so grateful, aren't we, church, uh, for these guys and how well they steward our children. Amen? Amen. So uh, as, we, um, as we conclude our little interview time, we have a video from one of our Legacy Kids team members we wanted you guys to see. Landon, and I serve at Legacy Kids. My wife and I have been attending church here for a few years now, and at the time we first started coming, we didn't have a children's church. So it was somewhat difficult for us to connect with people and to get involved with church activities because we had a newborn at the time, and he really didn't make it past 
into the sermon, so we always had to leave beforehand. But seeing how far our legacy has developed and grown in that time, we, and you know, being blessed with the children's church, lately my wife and I have had the opportunity to send our kids down with great people, um, taking our kids and helping them down in Sunday school and having just the opportunity to reconnect with people and connect more with other people we haven't met yet here at church and get to know people and actually sit through sermons this time. And now I feel like I can take part in helping those who need the same things met that I needed back when we first started coming here at church and volunteer alongside those down in Legacy Kids. Amazing. So awesome. So thankful for Landon and the McCall family. I mean, those guys have truly been exemplary uh, parents in our environment. They've, they've been examples of, of great parents and been examples of great family members uh, all across uh, the church body. As we're finishing the last few minutes today, I just kind of want to, you know, put a conclusion on the introduction I gave you guys before the interview. Is that okay? Uh, And I think it's important because what I began with, I think is really important language for us to use in this season. Because we can all say family and use that word as like a cool thing to pin up on our board and say, guys, we're a family, we're a family. But I'm sure that all of us in here, if you've been coming here, if today was your first day and you heard us say we're a family, you've had the chance to say, this ain't a family. You know what I'm saying? Because we've messed up. We don't always get it right. Our track record is not perfect. All right? So we, that, you know, but we, this is the, this is the bullseye. This is the target. This is what we continue to go after. And the reason I say it like that is because I feel that God is inviting our community into a deeper expression of family, not just to talk the talk, but to truly walk the walk and to begin to take responsibility for each other, to begin to look after one another more effectively, uh, to really go deeper with one another in community and in covenant relationships, which is why we have the legacy groups, and to truly embody what it means to be the church church and not just go to church. And if you've been here for a month, you've heard me talk about and contrast the difference between consumerism and contribution. And I know those messages may have been difficult messages, but growing up is not easy. And I think that our church, I think God has positioned us in a season of growth and maturation where we're beginning to look beyond ourselves and understand that our experience on Sunday morning isn't just about me, but it's about us, which is why we pray our Father who is in heaven, not my Father who is in heaven, which is why we pray, God, give us this day our daily bread, and we don't come into church and pray, God, give me today what I want. So it really, it really requires a lot of maturation to share your food, to share your spiritual food, to share your spiritual experience with other members of the family and not just treat church like it's all about you. Am I, am I being too challenging? I'm not, I'm not it's, it's kind of one of those sorry, not sorry things, you know, because I never want to hurt you, but I understand that for us to grow, uh, you know, We've got to say things and be willing to go places that are uncomfortable and they're tough. And, you know, the season that our church is in today, you know, uh, we just launched a third service last week. Hooray. You know, a 4 p.m. service and and the season that we're in today, you know, is that that 4 p.m. service, it was very evident over time that we needed that service. From the time that we launched our very first Sunday morning service uh, as Legacy here last September, which was just one year ago, we started one service on Sunday morning in here, and now we're three services on Sunday throughout the day. All right, so that's awesome. Praise God. God's growing the family, right? God's maturing the family. Um, but also at the same time, and we do this thing called church metrics, right, where we, we count every week because we need to know, hey, when, do, when is it important to start another service? When do we need more people serving or more volunteers? And so we're doing that very consistently. And shockingly, 
almost 15 to 20 percent of the people who come to church here are children. Isn't that amazing? And it's awesome because we are a community of people, uh, you know, as parents who are having a lot of sex. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And, and, And that's good. Amen. If you're married in here, say amen. 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 And, it's, and so the reason I bring that up is because we're being fruitful and we're multiplying. Right? That, that's true. But as the multiplication happens, as God gives the increase, we must then begin to steward the gift that God has given us. And when it comes to stewarding, it has very much to do with seeing, all right? And so I just want to kind of reiterate what I mentioned earlier from Isaiah 60 and say that I feel that God is bringing us, Legacy Nashville, into a new and improved season of seeing our children. Is that okay? Uh, of, Of seeing our children. I want to reiterate, our kids are not inconveniences, right? Our kids are treasures. But far too often in many different cultures, societies, governments, uh, and even churches, dare I say, I think kids are not seen, not truly as they are. They're not seen as treasures. They're seen as inconveniences. And I want to say this, that kids are not distractions, Kids are also not distractions from your destiny. Your kids are not a distraction from your destiny. Your kids are your destiny in that wherever your destination is, God has a plan for your kids to go there with you. So if you have to step over your kids to get to the destination of your destiny, you're probably not moving in the right direction. Because family is God's designed vehicle for world change. The very first commandment that Yahweh gave our first parents, Adam and Eve, was be fruitful and multiply. You guys know what that means, right? Have some babies, right? And then he said, take dominion and subdue the earth. And so, essentially, Yahweh's like, hey, you're going to change the world, and here's how you're going to do it. Through your kids. Through family. that's, That's God's prescription for world change. And so, our kids are not distractions from our destiny. I mean, let me... Say, say, say something else. Kids are also, are also not a means to an end. Meaning, our kids are not a means by which we fulfill ourselves. If something's missing in your life, and you're like, I should have a kid. Can I tell you something? <laughs> you know, there's something missing in my world. I, we should have babies. Okay, let, let, me, let me save you some time, okay? Um, kids are treasures, but our kids don't fulfill us. There is a person that fulfills us. And his name is Jesus, all right? And so our kids are not a means to an end. We don't use our kids as a means to fulfill us. Our kids are our treasures, Kids are this. This is what kids are. They are a gift. Kids are a gift that God has given to us. That's what kids are. Kids are not easy to raise. They rarely do what you want them to do. They make messes. You don't sleep as much. It's hard to raise a child. But when we see them properly as gifts from God, which they are, treasures given to us by Him, 
we melt in thankfulness. It's when we see our kids properly that we're able to go another day. It's when we see our kids properly that we're able to change another diaper. It's that when we see our kids properly, we're able to serve another Sunday. That when we see our kids properly, we're able to go another year. Until one day they leave home. And they get married. And they have kids of their own. And then we dream about them being small again. We say, man, what I wouldn't give to change another poopy diaper. What I wouldn't give to stay up from 3 to 6 a.m. in the morning when they were 3. What I wouldn't give to hold them in my arms again. And all the grandparents in here say, amen, I'm sure that that's your story. And that's what happens when we see our kids. When we stop seeing our kids as burdens and understand that our kids are blessings. And... Here is, is why I'm saying this. We, we're going to start doing this every year, and we, we may even start doing this every six months because I know that Christ had a huge chunk of his heart devoted to welcoming children. He said, don't forbid the kids from coming to me. You know, but the disciples were doing what a lot of disciples do today. Hey, get away. Hey, get away from Jesus. Hey, get out of here. We're trying to worship him. Hey, get out of the room. Don't you see that Jesus is in here? Hey, stop it. Get away from me. I'm trying to have an encounter with Jesus. But Jesus said, hey, don't forbid the kids. And so what we understand today is that, hey, we just created a more effective opportunity for our kids to encounter Jesus by providing them with legacy kids, which are led by some amazing legacy kids pastors so that they can have encounters with Jesus at where they are in their spiritual life, so that they can be discipled on the journey of becoming more like Him. And so that's why we do what we do here. That's why we're a family that has legacy kids. That's why we're a family that values the generations. And if you go down and you see our legacy kids, man, you're going to see a beautiful place. You're going to see, you know, beautiful, uh, clean rooms. You're going to see an abundance of toys. You're going to see appropriate snacks, you know, gluten-free. We got that. You know, I mean, you're going to see a really awesome kid's space, you know. And, you know, I, I would vote, man, we should just start doing, you know, some, uh, I don't know, some bow buns or something for the kids. Just up it, you know what I'm saying? Just have a buffet down there or something, you know, I don't know. Yeah, he surely would. Isaiah would really like that. But I bring this up because we, I feel like we've done a good job, church. And I want to say good job. Can I say that to you? Could I say good job, church, for valuing our kids? I know that we all value our kids. But, you know, I think that we could do a better job in this next season of seeing our kids more effectively. And not seeing our kids as a burden, but seeing our kids as a blessing. And it doesn't matter if you're a parent in here. It doesn't matter if you're an auntie, an uncle, a brother or sister. Like you actually have one of the greatest opportunities to grow here on Sunday by serving our kids. And I want to make you guys aware of a need. And here's one of the things that we talked about in staff meeting and and we've talked about with Rick and Maggie. Is that our children's ministry, we want to make it a lot like our small group ministry in the sense that it should be so easy to join and serve, but it should be just as easy to step back in a season where you're like, I can't do this right now. You know, I just had a baby or, you know, it's not my time for this. And so if you're not feeling it, if you're like, man, I don't, you know, I don't want to serve. It's not my time to serve. We in no way ever want to make you feel like manipulated or controlled or that you are somehow a second class Christian by not serving our kids. But what we want to say in the picture we want to paint is that there's a real invitation of hope for the future and there's a real opportunity for you to grow as we serve those smaller among us, as we serve the little ones among us, and as we serve those that are not ours. Because that's one of the things that family does. When I show up at my parents' house or I go over to the Dobbins' place, you know, we have a bunch of aunties and uncles and Carla and Obi are there. And you know what? We look after each other's kids. We don't say, oh, no, that's, your, that's your kid. I ain't doing nothing for your kid. 
I'm just going to do I'm just going to do all the things for my kid but nothing for yours are you guys are you guys getting the illustration here see we actually grow by taking care of each other's kids we, 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 we become more of a family by saying hey you know you don't have my last name you don't look like me but you, you're my son like, like, like I'm a father in your life and, and I'm a part of painting a picture of what fatherhood looks like for you because I know you're getting, that, that, you're getting that at home hey you know what but what about those kids who are not getting that, that at home because for our generation so many fathers have taken a step back but we need fathers to take steps forward we need mothers to take steps forward because when we take steps back our, our kids can't take steps forward This is what we genuinely feel like. God is going to highlight kids more and more and more to us as we grow as a church. Can I tell you guys, as your pastor, like if, if, you, if this is your home church and I'm your pastor, can I tell you guys this? Like we're not going to practice this whole idea of like, oh, we're just going to stuff our kids away and we're going to have big church. Okay, can, I be, can I be real with you guys? That our kids are just as important as we are. Their, their, their relationship with Jesus is just as important as ours is. And we're going to do everything that we can to grow these little world changers up, these little revivalists, to be who God has called them to be so that when they get 18 and 19, they say, I, I got to go do something else. You know, that was boring. You know, it was never about, y'all got what y'all got, mom and dad, but I didn't get anything. I didn't see Y'all always brought me to church. You know, you guys get what I'm saying? So I just want to go on record of saying I believe that one of the ways that God's maturing our body is giving us eyes to see our kids more effectively. And, and, and here, here's what I've decided. For the next couple of months, I'm actually taking a service. So I know you guys like to hear me preach, or at least I hope you like to hear me preach. But I'm going to spend a Sunday once a month, the next couple of months, I'm going to go preach to our kids. I'm not going to be up here with you. And the reason I do that is because I'm not going to ask you to do something that I, I, that I don't feel like God's asking me to do. So I'm going to go preach to our big kids, and I'm going to put together a sermon for them, and we're going to get down there and have revival. And, you know, we're going to take video of it, and I'm going to make you guys jealous that you weren't in the number on that day. But I, I just I felt like that was important because I wanted you guys to know, man, this is, this is important. These are our kids, man. This is our legacy. And if we're going to be a family, we got we to step up and be a family. Amen? Amen? Amen. So if you'd like to be a part of the family, and you just want to go all in, and even maybe better said, if you just want to come to a new place of yieldedness to the Holy Spirit today, I just want to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray over you. If you're just like, man, just God, do what you want in my life. I, whether it's serving kids or moving to Bangladesh, I say yes and amen. And if a few people are feeling that, you know, we'll put together a missions team and we'll send you out. We'd hate to lose you, but we'll send you out because we don't want to prohibit you from following Jesus. So the only thing I'm asking for in the context of this, like, sign-up thing is, is that uh, you ask yourself, God, is this message for me, all right? So as we're closing, I just want you to just close your eyes, bow your head. God, is this message for me? Is, is this from you? Is this an invitation from you? Do I need to take a week? Do I need to take, do I need to take two services a month? Do I need to take a service a month? Like I said, if you, if you feel shame, if you feel guilt, if you feel manipulation, I want you to know, like, just, just flush that because that's from the enemy because there's none of that present here. We're a family. And wherever you are in your, in your journey, wherever you are in your walk, we love you, we dignify you, we respect you, we welcome you, you have a seat at the table. No matter what you do, you come as you are, and you're seen for who you are, and you're seen as a son or a daughter in Christ.